Shalom, and thank you for listening to sermons from Tikvat Israel, a Messianic synagogue in the heart of Richmond, Virginia. Listening to the podcast is great, but if you want the full experience, please join us on Zoom or in the building Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for our worship service. For the Zoom link, please contact tikvatdirector at gmail.com or contact us on our website, tikvatisrael.com. There you can also support the ministry, learn more about Messianic Judaism, and find helpful resources. May Hashem bless you through the hearing of His Word. So this week, uh, a man named Nathan called me from prison, and uh, he had a very amazing story, and he gave me permission, actually, to share with you along, along with his name. He said, uh, basically, whatever you want to say, if it's, uh, he's, he, he was uh, confident that his story would, would be a blessing, so uh, he gave me permission. Nathan came from a Christian family, a long line of Pentecostal pastors and missionaries, including uh, with some Jewish ancestry. At the age of 12, however, he joined a gang and had many years of stealing in his youth. He was taught to do so actually by his mother. He got married at 21 and continued a life of crime with his then wife, even though he always knew that God was real and had a calling on his life. Uh, in his youth, his grandmother had always shown him the love of God because um, it was still you know, in his family and she was the one who showed him love, who, who let him know that God was real. In 2005, he was locked up for a short amount of time, and he happened to read the book The Hiding Place by Corey Ten Boom. Raise your hand if you're familiar with that book. It's very beautiful, right? I mentioned it before, but for those who don't know, in this book, uh, Corey tells the true story of her family. There were Christians in Holland, and they hid Jewish people during the Holocaust from and saved them from going to the gas chambers. Um, all the Jews that they helped survived and were saved. But Corey and her entire family, her father and sister, uh, all went to the, the death camps, and uh, her sister and her father perished there. But Corey survived, and then after the war, she continued to preach forgiveness and the hope of Messiah. Uh, she's included among the righteous among nations at Yad Vashem, the Holocaust Museum in Jerusalem. After reading that book, uh, Nathan was transformed and he dedicated, or you could say rededicated, right, his life to the Lord. And a few, a few years later, he actually returned to prison for a very serious offense, which he explained to me was based on a false accusation. Now, I have no way of knowing if that's true, but I, I did believe him. In any event, he explained to me that even though he had been in prison for many years unjustly, he still sees it as his mission field, right? And he was sharing the love of Messiah with everyone around him because he had been transformed. Uh, as I prayed for him at the end of the call, I thought of uh, the story of Joseph. Remember in, in Genesis, who was falsely accused and went to prison for a few years, uh, even though he didn't do anything wrong, and how God was with him even in Pharaoh's dungeon. And I thought of uh, Daniel's friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who were thrown into the fire when they refused to bow down to the idol of gold. And then 
If we remember, there was a fourth man in the fire, wasn't there? He was glowing like the Son of God. The Lord was with them in the fire. You know, all of our stories are different. And uh, many of us have not had the same experience as, as uh, our, our brother Nathan. But I think all of us have experienced difficulty. And we've experienced times of, of suffering or being confined. Uh, and these times aren't necessarily our fault. It's not always the, the, the punishment of God, right? But it's, it's, it's because we, we're not in Eden anymore, essentially, is, 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 is what's happening. This week, uh, as I mentioned um, in when I uh, said the Kaddish, I heard some really tragic news from a friend and colleague of mine, Aharon Mendez. He leads a Messianic congregation. Uh, it's part of Tikkun in upstate New York. And honestly, you know, I, I debated with myself whether to share this with you because it's, it's, it's very heavy, but I think it's better if we know so that we can be praying our family, so our family can be praying for, for their family. So this is a picture of uh, uh, Aharon and, uh, and his uh, wife and daughter. And this is what I, I received this from Monique Brumbach. She's the executive director of the UMJC, quote, Friends, please pray for our bereft brother Aharon Mendez and his wife Zenia as they grieve the sudden loss of their five-year-old daughter Livnat. Aharon leads uh, the UMJC congregation Beth Am Messiah in upstate New York. This immense loss comes a little uh, over a year after a loss of their newborn baby and two weeks after Zenia's mother suffered a stroke. This young and dedicated couple are experiencing compounding tragedies and need our support. Livnat will be buried on Tuesday after a funeral service at the congregation scheduled for 11 a.m. Please send cards and letters of condolence to this address. And we have the address here. Um, and uh, uh, Monique says, I will share a GoFundMe link as soon as it is available. And this is from Aharon's account that Monique also shared. To make a long story short, after an ambulance ride to the ER, she departed to be with her Messiah. We are completely devastated. Apparently, her passing is connected to her sickness a few weeks ago. After seeing three doctors last month, everyone said she was fine and could find nothing wrong. Uh, the autopsy revealed that Livnat had a tumor in her esophagus. This is why it was hard for her to eat a few weeks ago when she was sick last month, and we took her to three doctors who said she was fine. Apparently, this is a very difficult thing to diagnose and find, and is rare and happens unexpectedly. She did not experience pain uh, and, and when she lost consciousness. The Lord gives and he takes away. Blessed be his name." Unquote. For some things in life, you know, like the Holocaust that, that Corey Ten Boom experienced, um, or losing a child, there really are no proper words that one can say about it. And yet we have to acknowledge that devastating things do happen, and they happen to good people. And in, that, in this life, we have suffering. We look around, and we're not in Eden, and we don't always understand why. We just, we just don't. In Joseph's case, um, the biblical Joseph, and the case of, of Nathan's story that he shared with me, they could look back on their time uh, of suffering, their time in prison, and they could see what God 
was doing with that to bring salvation to many. And even with Corey's story, right, the, the immense suffering that she went through, she saw how that brought salvation to many, including the very life of Nathan when he read her book. But sometimes we don't understand why. I've walked with people who have experienced loss and divorce, and which is kind of like a death, and um, you know, very, very difficult tragedies, including the loss of children. And sometimes the best thing we can do is what Job's friends did with him. At least at first, they they did a good job. Um, when Job lost his children, he lost everything he owned, and then he was stricken with a disease. Um, what did his friends do? They, they just sat with him, right? They didn't say anything, at least at first. And then when they started to open their mouths, that's when they, <laughs> they were like, well, you know, righteous people shouldn't really be going through this. So they kind of got off track. But at first, they, were, they did a good thing. They just sat with their brother, Job. And sometimes that's the most we can do, right? We sit with those that are hurting. You know, Corrie ten Boom was not Jewish. She didn't have to go to the death camps, but she chose to identify with God's people who were suffering. And we see some of this, I think, in the life of Moses. In this week's Parsha, Moses makes a decision that leads to him not going into the promised land with the children of Israel, at least the ones that are 20 years uh, and younger, as well as uh, only Joshua and Caleb. So he doesn't go in with, with them. The older generation, remember, they eventually all pass away in the wilderness. So let's turn to this week's Parsha and see what happened with Moses. And uh, we read, I think, uh, a little bit of this. Well, we read um, a, a later part about how Aaron also doesn't go into the promised land. But this is the, the part about Moses. In the first month, the entire community of B'nai Israel arrived at the wilderness of Zin. The people stayed at Kadesh. There Miriam died and was buried. Now there was no water for the community, so they assembled against Moses and Aaron. Notice that there's no water right after what? Miriam dies, right? I think that the rabbis noticed that connection, right? There's, there's a certain loss, right, that they're, they're really not acknowledging here. And I think they, they need to grieve properly. Uh, the, anyway, the people quarreled with Moses, saying, If only we had died when our brothers died before Adonai. Now why have you brought the community of Adonai into the wilderness for us and our livestock to die here? Why have you brought us from Egypt to bring us to this evil place, a place without grain, fig, grapevine, or pomegranate, and there's no water to drink? Right Now, if you've been reading this story, this shouldn't really surprise you, but it's still kind of shocking, isn't it? Right? The Lord has been providing for them water right, from the rock and food from heaven, right? And they are consistently complaining to Moses, consistently kvetching to him. And I think it's starting to get to him. I think he's starting to get weary. So Moses and Aaron went from before the assembly to the entrance of the tent of meeting and fell on their faces. 
Then the glory of Adonai appeared to them. Adonai spoke to Moses, saying, Take the staff and gather the assembly, you and your brother Aaron. Speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will give out its water. You will bring out water from the rock, and you will give the community something to drink along with their livestock. So Moses took the staff from before the presence of Adonai, just as he had commanded him. Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly in front of the rock. He said, Listen now, you rebels. Must we bring you water from this rock? And here, I think the important word is very small. We. Must we bring you water from this rock? I think that, that was the mistake that Moses and Aaron made. Then Moses raised his arm and struck the, the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out and the community and its livestock drank. Remember, he was supposed to just speak to the rock and it was the Lord, right, that was providing them water. But he, he didn't do that. He didn't speak. He struck the rock and he said, must we bring you water? And uh, this is the consequence. But Adonai said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust in me and so as to esteem me as holy in the eyes of B'nai Yisrael, therefore you will not bring this assembly into the land that I have given them. To me, it's kind of like uh, confusing yourself with God, essentially, and causing the community to stumble, right? Who is bringing forth this water, right? I think that was, that was the mistake that they made. These are the waters of Meribah where B'nai Yisrael contended with Moses and where Adonai showed himself holy among them. I'd always thought of it as kind of sad or unfair that Moses doesn't enter the promised land with the people. But then this week I was thinking about it. I realized that, you know what? Moses was with the people. He wasn't with the younger generation. He wasn't with Joshua and Caleb. Who was he with? He was with the ones that didn't get to go in. He suffered with his people, which I think is kind of fitting. He was like Corey Ten Boom in that way. Now, I don't know what you're going through personally, but as certain as I am that I'm standing here, I can tell you this. God is with you. He knows. He knows. He is with you in the fire. He knows every tear. He knows every loss. He is with you. He is with you. He is for you. And I want to let you know today, not everything that we suffer is our fault. That's why the book of Job is in the Bible. Yes, sometimes we're disciplined by God, but discipline is not the same as tragedy. God doesn't use tragedy, right? That's because we're not in Eden, right? If we're disciplined by God, maybe we're in rebellion and something, but that's, it's a different scenario. Suffering loss or suffering tragedy or injustice, it doesn't mean it's your fault. It doesn't mean it's your fault. Let's come back to Moses for a moment. 
I've told this story before, but and the connection as well. But um, many years ago, I went to a Shabbat dinner hosted by some Orthodox Jews. After dinner, we all sat around and discussed the Torah, and I think we were on this portion. And the topic of Moses not getting into the land came up, so I just asked them. I said, do you think uh, that Moses ever made it into the promised land? And they said, when the Messiah comes, Moses will get to the land of Israel. And that made me think of the Gospel of Matthew, specifically chapter 17. After six days, Yeshua takes with him Peter and Jacob and John, his brother, and brings them up to a high mountain by themselves. Now he was transfigured before them, his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with Yeshua. So where does this take place? In the land of Israel. And who's there? Moses and Yeshua. Man, if those Orthodox Jews only knew, right? Perhaps, though, we need to tell them. We need to tell them that there's one who appeared, who fulfilled this dream, this calling of Moses, who claimed to be the Messiah of Israel. Now, according to some scholars, I did a little bit of research, Moses died around 1400 before the Common Era, and Yeshua was transfigured on the mountaintop probably in the, in the 30s of the, of the Common Era, right? So yes, admittedly, there is a 1,400-year gap, <laughs> okay, between the death of Moses and him being in the Promised Land with the Messiah. But I could say the same thing about the Jewish movement for Yeshua, the Messianic Jewish movement. By the early 300s, the Emperor Constantine made it very difficult to be Jewish and follow Yeshua. It was kind of the, the end of that, that, that Jewish Yeshua movement. And uh, it widened the gap between uh, Judaism and the Yeshua faith that would eventually become Christianity. And then, a few years later, in the early 1970s of the Common Era, Messianic Judaism was back. And there was a recognizable Jewish movement for Yeshua. So yes, we took an even longer break than Moses did, about 1,700 years. But hey, we're back. Baruch Hashem. <laughs> the point is, you know, we could say that's too long for redemption. But I'm not about to argue with the one that controls time and space about how long things should take. He redeems all things with resurrection life. And in the meantime, he is with us. He was with the Jewish people all those years until he brought us back to our own Messiah. He is with us. Looking back on these episodes in the wilderness, uh, in this week's Parsha and the previous Parsha, the Apostle Paul writes this, For I do not want you to be ignorant, brothers and sisters, that our fathers were all under the cloud and passed through the sea. They were all immersed into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. 
and all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they were drinking from a spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Messiah. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them, for they were struck down in the desert. I, reading at this time, I noticed an interesting phrase. They were immersed into Moses. They were baptized in Moses. He was with them. He was in them. They were in him, unified. Reminds me of uh, Yeshua's speech in John 17, right? I am in you and you are in me as I am in the Father, right? Moses suffered with them. Remember, he had the same fate as them. Even though he did not sin and grumble and commit idolatry anywhere near what the Israelites did. And then, in the Gospels, Moses is raised to life to fulfill the promise, along with Israel, who inherited the land and who also met the Messianic Redeemer. Moses was buried with Israel. He died with her in her suffering outside the land. And then he was raised with her in the land. And she was raised with him. If Moses suffers and dies and is raised with Israel, if the fourth man in the fire is with Israel, if Cory ten Boom is with the Jewish people, then Kal Vachomer, how much more is Yeshua the Messiah with you? He is with you. He is with you. He is with Israel and the nations to all who call upon his name. He is with you. He is with you in your suffering. He is with you in your death and in your resurrection. If we suffer with him, if we die with him, then we are raised with him. Take heart. He is with you. He is for you. I'd like to close with Paul's words of comfort to his spiritual son, Timothy. This is what he, he poured into to Timothy. Therefore, my child, be strengthened in the grace that is in Messiah Yeshua. And what you have heard from me among many witnesses and trust to faithful people who will be capable to teach others also. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Messiah Yeshua. No one serving as a soldier entangles himself in the activities of everyday life so that he might please the one who enlisted him. Also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he is not crowned victorious unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer ought to receive the first share of the crops. Consider what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Yeshua the Messiah, raised from the dead, from the seed of David, according to my good news. For this I suffer hardship as a criminal, even to the point of chains, though the word of God is not chained. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the chosen, so that they may obtain the salvation that is in Messiah Yeshua with eternal glory. And here I think he's thinking of his, his brothers and sisters, the lost sheep of Israel. Trustworthy is the saying. Let's say this together. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself.
Avinu, our Father, we pray for those that are hurting. And uh, we pray for our own souls, Lord, because we've, we've been through a lot as well. I ask for our community that you would strengthen us in your strength. Encourage us with your encouragement. Help us. And I thank you, Lord, that you are with us. You'll never leave us or forsake us. And sometimes it might take hundreds of years or it might take one day. But whatever the timing is, Lord, we trust in your redemption. We trust in your resurrection. We trust in you, Lord, to make all things right. Because we know that in heaven there are no tears. We know that in heaven there's only joy. And you asked us to work and to pray on earth as it is in heaven. So in the meantime, Lord, help us and help us to encourage one another by sharing the gospel in a way that speaks, in a way that lifts up your salvation, Lord, in a way that gives you glory. And thank you, Lord, that you are with us and that you help us. And in Yeshua's name we pray. Amen.